0: Well, open up your Bible this morning, would you? We're going to look in Luke chapter 20 today, Luke chapter 20, and um, I trust that it'll be a a challenge for us today. I want to start um, with what may feel like a little bit of negativity, and and I'm just, it's just the reality. Um, Last week I mentioned the news report, and and this morning I, I wanted to just give evidence to it again. I'm just looking at the headlines here, and these aren't, these aren't. Picked out the last few months. This is just the last week of the news that comes across our television screens and and desks. And it says, you know, man kills four and self in Mon County, and then grand jury won't indict officer in Ferguson, and then man could face life and fatal stabbing case. Um, court to discuss online threats. Some guy was threatening somebody sexually online. Marjorie Mann faces sexual assault charges. I mean, it just keeps on going on. Two dead, a 91 wreck. It's just overwhelming sometimes, is it not? Do you ever feel that way? Like, please, just I don't want to hear anything else about how bad it is getting. And what is our answer to this? And, and or what are we to do? Are we to find a cave? I've jokingly said this. Are we to find a cave and dig down in the ground and hide there, maybe with our family and a special friend or two that we like, and, and just stay there? Is that the answer? I don't think so. I don't think so. You were asked to think about a product that you bought... That didn't deliver. Can I tell you that this is the evidence of a product that people have bought that is not delivered? It's a product that has been purchased on many occasions. Many, many groups of people, called a culture, called a society, called a family, have bought a product thinking that it would deliver. And if it had a little jingle, okay, if it had a little jingle, you know, like, men and, you know, if it had some song that, that connected to this product, let me read for you the words of the song for this product that's being peddled to us. Here it is. Now, it's never been identified as the song for this product, but listen to it. Imagine there's no heaven. Oh, you say, now wait a minute, Lo. I like that song. John Lennon wrote this song in 1971, okay? When I was about 17, I got in this Beatles kick, okay? I bought my own cassette with the Beatles, and I would ride around listening to the Beatles. You ever do that? Yeah, I did it too. And Lennon's song, Imagine, was on there, even though it wasn't actually a Beatles song, okay? Uh, Yoko Ono, is that his wife's name? It was actually a poem she wrote. He put it to, to music, Listen to the words. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Wouldn't that just be wonderful, John Lennon is saying? Wouldn't that be great? Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for. And no religion to. Imagine all the people living life in peace. Sounds wonderful. How much does this cost? Just tell me. I'll sign up, right? Fourteen easy payments of whatever. I'm there. You may say I'm a dreamer. I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join me and the world will be as one. Imagine no possessions. I wonder if you can. No need for greed or hunger. A brotherhood of man. Imagine all the people sharing all the world. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. Folks, that is a product that has been purchased. And if if I'm going to put a label on it, I'd call it humanism. I'd call it humanism. And the idea of humanism is this. We don't need God. We're good people. I mean, you know, we have a few issues. If we just get rid of government and politics and religion and all that, we'd all get along nicely. No, we wouldn't. You know what we do when we strip away God? You know what we do? We strip away this, this idea that we as humans are sinful creatures needing redeemed. We die in accidents. We sexually abuse one another. We threaten each other. We stab one another. We riot in the streets is what we do. We should not be surprised when we turn on the news again when we see that some person in authority has abused another. Breaks my heart to see that. Breaks my heart to see that when that happens. We should not be surprised when some people see something and throw an absolute fit about it. Ryan. We shouldn't be surprised by that. It breaks my heart to see that. We should not be surprised because we as a society, and don't think it's just everybody out there, okay? We as a society have said we don't need God. We don't need Him. We don't need him. We'll be fine on our own. We imagined it in 1971, and now we're going to make it happen. And look at the fruit of this tree. The thing is, this is not a new concept. Don't think for a second that this is just you know 2014 America. This has been tried over and over and over again. All the way back in your Old Testament to where man did what was right in his own eyes. And see what happens when a group of people, be it a family, a church, a neighborhood, a country, say, We don't need God, we'll be okay on our own. See what happens. Our group of people that are doing that right here in front of us for this morning are called the Sadducees. Say, huh? Who are they? Let me explain to you who they are. We're in Luke chapter 20. Go there with me, would you? We're in Luke chapter 20. I'm at verse number 27 today. And I want to introduce you to the Sadducees. And I want you to see Jesus' response to them. And I want you to see clearly that they would fit in today very well. I mean, the Sadducees could live in our environment, in our culture today, and be absolutely fine. Honestly, you put a Pharisee here, and we wouldn't like them. We wouldn't like the Pharisees, but the Sadducees, we would elect them in the high positions of authority. We would. Who are these people? Well, Jesus is going to settle some questions for us today, that's for sure. But to get there, we're going to have to introduce the Sadducees. Let me read at verse number 27. There came to him, this is Jesus, Sadducees. Now remember, right before this, Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus. Ask him a question about taxes. Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God's, and he shut them down, and they're in silence now, okay? So you see that in verse number 26. They marveled at his answer, and they became silent. They are dumbfounded. Now, that's one kind of... You can think of like a political party, okay? The Pharisees. Now, the Sadducees, the other sort of dominant uh, political party of the time, they see an opportunity. And so they now step up into the questioner role as Jesus here is being publicly tried. Quite honestly, he's being publicly tried in the streets of Jerusalem. He's being attacked for his belief. Here where it goes. They came to him some Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, and they ask him a question. And he said, "Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies." Having a wife, but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, that seems a little odd to us, and by the time we're done here, you'll understand a little better, okay? But it was just, it was the custom of the day. It's in the Mosaic Law. It even predates the Mosaic Law. You'll see it in a minute. But they then sort of paint this extreme picture. Can I tell you? That they're not really wanting to know the answers to the question they're getting ready to ask. They are conniving. And they have painted a point with a picture. With a question, I mean to say. You ever see somebody do that? They have a point, and they paint it in question form and make it. It's a form of manipulation. And here's what they do. They say, So, there were seven brothers... The first took a wife and died without children. And the second and the third took her. And likewise, all seven. And amazingly, no children. And then they died. The last one died. So verse 33. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife would the woman be? For the seven had her as a wife. Now, they aren't asking this question because they want to know. These people don't even believe in the resurrection. They're asking about something they do not believe even exists. I'll explain it to you in just a minute. So Jesus said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to be attained to that age and to the resurrection of the dead, now they're married nor given in marriage. For they cannot die anymore, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed in the passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not God of the dead, but of the living For all who live to him. Now that might seem like a confusing answer to us. We might be like, huh? What is he trying to say? I got lost in the words there and my mind drifted, you know, thinking about lunch. Well, that's not how they responded. Look at their response. Then some of the scribes, this is the expert lawyers of the day, answered, Teacher, you have spoken well. For they no longer dared... To ask him any question. Alright, now to understand the, the full impact of this passage, we've got to understand who the Sadducees are. It's kind of weird, you know, because it's not a name we use very often. There was a song that we sang at day camp, okay? Sadducees, I don't want to be a Sadducee for they're sad you see, Right, Mrs. Alderman? Yes, Tracy and I had many adventures leading day camp songs together. And that was one of our songs. The Sadducees were sad, you see. Well, what in the world made them so sad? Well, let me me explain to you their worldview, okay? I want you to hear the humanism. I want you to hear how much it parallels our culture today. Now, they're almost always described as what they don't believe. Isn't that kind of interesting? They were completely wiped out in around 70 A.D. when the Romans came and, and destroyed the temple... We have, the Sadducees ceased to exist. Now, the Pharisees continued there on a little bit, but they were so, the Sadducees were all about the religion of Judaism. They were all about protecting that. So, when the Romans smashed them, the Sadducees basically disappeared. So, all we know is what was written about them prior to 70 and what is shared in the New Testament. And it's almost exclusively what they do not believe. I hope we're not defined by what we do not believe. I hope that as a Christian, a follower of Jesus, that means that, you know, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't date girls that do. I could never get that right. I, got the, I missed the chew part, didn't I? Yeah. I hope we're not defined by what we don't do. Jesus was not crucified because of what He didn't do. He was crucified because of what He said and what He did. What did the Sadducees not believe? Go ahead and put it on the screen for us. I think it was up there earlier. They did not believe in God's eminence. You say, what does that mean? Well, when I used to teach this to teenagers, I would say this. God is transcendent and God is imminent. Here's what this means. He's transcendent. He is far above. His eminence is another part of His attribute that He is close to us. That He is involved in our life. The Sadducees were practical atheists. They did not believe that God had any involvement in man's activity. They denied the sovereignty of God. They just think that God made man and then totally just checked out, clocked out, had no interaction with man. So they denied that God interacted with man at all. Folks, these are the religious leaders of the day and they did not believe that God interacted with man. So can I challenge you that if you went into many, many many of the seminaries in our country today, and go to the professors and say, "Is Jesus God? Does God interact with man? Did God write the Bible?" They would say, "No, no." The the head of the New Testament department of Brent, is it Duke or is it North Carolina? North Carolina University, the seminary at North Carolina University, denies—he's the head of the New Testament department—he denies that Jesus is God, ever claimed to be God. Rogne that denies every aspect of that, and he has a lot of initials after his name that would impress many people. How is, how is this? Next, they also denied the supernatural. They did not believe that God worked any miracles. God God would never interact in the man's life. It would never happen. God would never reveal himself through anything but the first five books of the Old Testament. The Sadducees believed that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy were the only, that was the only revelation that God ever gave. And the rest of the Old Testament was far, far below that. And so they didn't believe that God would work in the world. And lastly, they did not believe in the spiritual world at all. They had a view that when we died, we just rotted away in the ground. There was no resurrection, there was no eternal life, there was no eternal rewards, there was no demons, no spirit world, no angels. You know what they were charged with doing? They ran the temple. (laughs) Isn't this crazy? They ran the temple of worship to Yahweh God. They were the ones that oversaw that. Here's what they did. They set up this little system. It's pretty cool, like a flea market. Right there at the front gate, the Sadducees oversaw the money-changing system. And you come in, you need a lamb, sure. If Mr. Sadducee, you know, Sadducees are us, and he's got his name on it. He sells you a lamb and pockets a lot of money. And so they had... They had this system where their pockets were fleeced. and They didn't believe anything except in the here and now. That's where the haves often go. Is it not? Those that have believe it's all about here. Because I've invested my life in what I have. And so the haves usually come to the conclusion that it's all about here. And we are a bunch of fools to believe in the resurrection. You know, that's what Paul said. Listen to Paul, 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then we are to be more pitied than any other men. And we are, the Greek word is the word moron. If there is no resurrection, we are morons. Hi, you bunch of morons, right? If there's no resurrection, what that word means is empty-headed. You have no brain. If there is no resurrection and you're sitting here this morning and you're investing your life in what God is doing and you read your Bible and you sing songs to God and you worship the Lord and there is no resurrection, you are empty-headed, moron, clueless, stupid. That's what Paul said. That's what the Sadducees believed about Jesus. You know, they would fit in today. I'll throw this up on the screen and just go real quickly. Um, they'd fit in today great. Uh, here's, the, here's a passage from 1 Corinthians 2. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to Him. I see this newspaper and I say, look and read, world. Read. Humanism doesn't work. Godlessness goes nowhere but pain and death and suffering. And taking advantage of one another. Don't you see this? But see, we understand that because the Spirit of God is working in our heart. The Spirit of God is in you if you're in Christ. And you see the news through a different lens. And your lens says, people need Jesus. People need Jesus. Oh, I'm all for helping. I'm all for helping. But we need to help people find Christ. The Sadducees, now I'll put up on the screen, they'd have fit in great. They'd have fit in great with us today, with many of the people in our world today. They were practical deists. That, that is the idea that God made the earth and took his hands off they're practical naturalists that is there's nothing beyond what you can see what's naturally here it's a materialist that says only physical matter exists they were practical pragmatists what that means is they were making money on this system so they took advantage of it so i said this here's their view and tell me this doesn't match our society tell me this doesn't match our neighbors and don't be angry with them Want to reach them, and when you look in the mirror, understand that the whole world around us is calling us to this. And here's what here's how I said it: God is uninvolved. God is unable. God is unconnected. God is unnecessary. Hmm. So Jesus deals with this. Let's see how he does. Forgot my Bible over here. So there's a question asked. The kingdom of Sadducees, again, they deny the resurrection. We also have what they believed in, in Acts. It's interesting, by the way, just a little interesting concept here. This is the only time, well, the first time, the Sadducees are mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. Now, Luke wrote two books of the Bible. Luke wrote most of your New Testament. You know that? Luke is the primary author of your New Testament. Because he wrote Luke, and he wrote Acts. And now here we are in chapter 20, and this is the first time the Sadducees are mentioned. Okay? And it says they do not believe in the resurrection. But if you go to Luke 2, okay, which is the book of Acts, the Sadducees are making all kinds of appearances... Five, six times the Sadducees are on the scene. Luke mentions him one time, them one time in the first twenty chapters of Luke, and all through Acts, that ends up being one of the number one opponents to the apostles. I ask you, what happened between the end of Luke and the start of Acts, that well we'll say chapter two of Acts that got the Sadducees all worked up? What was it? The resurrection. The resurrection. See, prior to the death of Jesus, the Sadducees were just willing to just add him on. I'll just add him on. You know, I'll follow him too. Okay, he's a good guy. He's got things. I'll just add him on. But when you brought the resurrection to the table, the Sadducees said, "Uh uh-uh, no. And so when your Bible talks about the chief priest... Virtually all of them were Sadducees, and they're the opponents of Jesus after the resurrection. So let's look at this first account of this uh, interaction between them. They feign a question, that means to fake, okay? They feign a question to make a point. Verse 28, teacher they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, but no children, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brothers. Now, this seems kind of strange to us, okay? You'll find in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, and this is all about the fact that God gave to families land. God gave to family name's land, Okay? You know, and so what happened was, you had this woman who married this man, and she took his name, and with that name came an inheritance of land. And for one reason or another, there's no children that are born to this man. There's no son born to this man, and as a matter of fact, he dies. So now, what are you going to do? Because she's going to get remarried. She's going to get remarried. She's going to go find somebody else, because she has to, quite honestly, in that culture... And so the plan is this. God sets up this plan. And that is, one of his brothers is to take her in, is honestly an act of charity, and is to marry her and have a child, and that first child is the legal descendant of his dead brother. That's how it's supposed to work. Okay, Leverite marriage is what it's called. And Moses explained this, in Deuteronomy 25, and the Sadducees have a question. Now, I don't think this is a real question. I already said they're feigning a the question. They're making up... I don't think they're making this up on the spot. I think this is one of those questions that when Sadducees were back in their little dark, you know, cigar-smoke-filled room with that light and that fan spinning around, and they're trying to come up with a question they're going to ask Jesus, this is the one that they came up with. Because it's just, it's just silly, Okay? And, and they aren't trying to say what's going to happen here. They're trying to say, your idea of the resurrection is stupid. And so they, they paint this picture about this remarriage and death and remarriage and death and remarriage and death. And, and what, what's to happen? They're hoping that Jesus' face will turn bright red and he'll say, well, you guys got me. That's what they're hoping for. That's what they're hoping for. That's not what they get. Can I tell you, though, this does reveal their worldview? Think about it. You see, their worldview is, it's all about here. It's all about here. So how will I have inheritance? Where will there be something of value that I've invested my life in? That's, that, it's revealing this about them. You know, I I compare it to, and if you did this, there's nothing wrong with this, okay? All right, I'll put it on me. If you go to Kaiser High School at their new stadium, they have all these bricks, okay? And you know whose name's on one of those bricks? Mine. That's right. There's a brick with my name on it. Why? Because I didn't do it, but I think my father-in-law spent like 35 bucks and put put a brick up there in my honor. Thanks. People do that kind of stuff. Why? A lot of times. Because their father in buys them a brick? Maybe. But a lot of times people do that because they want to be remembered, right? They want to be remembered. I want to be remembered a hundred years from now so you see that brick and you know I was somebody important because of that brick. Reveals this about them. They're all about, they're all about demonstrating that how are we going to answer this question about here and now? And I love what Jesus does. They feigned this question. Moving along, let's see what Jesus has to say. He skips it, okay? Skip the right? I'm out of time, so, so skip through the Deuteronomy 25. <clears throat> and Jesus skips the question completely to reveal truth. Now, some of you aren't going to like this question. I mean, this answer, that is. You're not going to like this. If your marriage is a good one, you're going to say, huh, well, that's too bad. But if your marriage isn't all that great, you're like, all right. You know, just 50 more years. Whatever, okay? It depends where you're at, okay? Let's see what his answer is. That, by the way, that's not the only two options, okay? That's not the only two options. I'll, I'll try to explain that a little bit more as we go along. So Jesus skips their question to reveal a truth. Can I tell you what, what Matthew adds because it's really significant? There's a parallel account in Matthew. The Gospels do that. We have three different views telling the story. Matthew records something that Jesus said here that Luke didn't record it for one reason or another. I don't know. But listen to what Matthew said. Matthew twenty two twenty nine 29 says this. But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. I love what Matthew records that Jesus said. You're wrong because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. So now what Luke records is his reasoning for that for that answer. He says in verse 34. He's going to say a lot of things. Let me just let me give you the overall principle of what he's going to say. And it's this. There is more than what you see. We have got to see this truth. There is more than what you see than what your eyes behold. There is far, far more than that. And Jesus is going to illustrate that truth. He's going to pound that in the ground. And really what He's going to say is the born again, those who have been reborn in Christ, are eternally with God. Great truth. Let's see it. He says, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy to attain to that age or the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. For they cannot die anymore, because they are equal to angels and are sons of God. Can I just tell you, I want to hit just six things, six sort of broad categories that Jesus nails and is saying, there is more than what your eyes behold. There is more than what you see. And the first one, quite honestly, is about marriage. Notice here what he says about marriage. First of all, it is God's institution. Jesus here starts talking about marriage almost like He invented it or something. Oh, that's right. He did. He did. Marriage was God's idea. And we see some of the purpose of marriage. See if you can find it. He says, Those who are considered worthy to attain the age of the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. By the way, In this culture, who is married and who is given in marriage? A man is married. A woman is given in marriage. Jesus is defining for us what marriage is. But he says that in the resurrection, it's not needed. There is no marriage. Why? Why is there no marriage after the resurrection? what well, jesus says because you don't die anymore you don't die anymore now you might scratch your head and say i don't get that what's that about some of you i see your eyes i see you're getting it great time in the classroom when you're a teacher and you see people's lights come on i see some of you getting it one of now not the only but one of the The primary purposes for marriage is to fill the earth. Now, God created marriage so that man would not be alone. That's that's a primary purpose. But one of them is because people are going to die and God wants to refill the earth. See, that's not going to happen in heaven, it's not going to happen. There's not going to be the need to replenish heaven because there's no death. So then we'd look, so that's some things about marriage. Let's just look at some things about mankind. Verse 35 those who are considered worthy to attain to that age. Can I tell you that man is justifiably accountable before God? Those who are considered worthy. Worthy. Now remember what the Sadducees believe. There is no resurrection. There is no eternity. There is no eternal rewards. There is no eternal judgment. Jesus says those who are considered worthy for the resurrection. Oh, the Sadducees are like, "Ah." he believes in a resurrection. He believes in a judgment. He believes in heaven. He believes in hell. Yes, he does they, verse 36, they cannot die anymore because they are equal to angels. What that I tell you the Sadducees believed about angels? Didn't exist. Jesus says they're equal to angels and are sons of God. Now you talk about intimately involved. The Sadducees believed that, that God had no interaction with man. He was not close to man. Now this, this person who's considered worthy of resurrection, is called a son of God, on equal plane with God, as a brother of Christ. Wow. Can I say, there's also some things about Moses, that, we, that from Moses we learn about the Bible. Look at verse 37. But that the dead are raised, even Moses showed. Now what books of the Bible did Moses write? You're 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 wise in not quickly answering that question, because in the wrong place, if you answer that question, I promise you, you'll be laughed out of the room. Because for much of the world, they do not believe that Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They don't believe that. They for a long time, people believe that Moses didn't even know how to write. For a long time, Moses wrote. We, we know that Moses wrote about 1440 B.C., Moses wrote the book of Genesis. And for thousands of years, scholars would laugh at that and say, <laughs> that's so silly, you humans, you just know so little. Listen to me, the wise one. Writing wasn't even invented in 1440 B.C. until they found the code of Hammurabi. There it is. Yes who prior to Moses had written down law. Hmm. What does Jesus show us about the Bible? Well, Moses wrote in this passage about the bush, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses wrote this. We learn Jesus believes in a verbal inspiration. What's that mean? That means that the Bible is written in words. Moses. Moses. Jesus that is believe that Moses wrote the Bible and i want you to see his logic Moses wrote the god of Abraham the god of Isaac the god of Jacob every one of those expressions are written in the present tense he didn't used to be the god of Abraham used to be the god of Moses or i'm sorry Isaac used to be the god of Jacob he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. That's present tense. You know what this shows us about our Bible? Down to the final, like this, the fine minutia. Do you know how small of a difference it is to take a verb and make it past versus present tense? It's like a little kluke on the end of a Hebrew word. is all it is. And Jesus says, even to that detail, you can trust your Bible. If the word is wrong and it was the God of Abraham, Jesus' argument completely falls to the ground. The Sadducees have him proven wrong. It's built upon the present tense of the verb. Moving along. I'm, I'm getting low on time. Verse 38 says, Jesus says, Now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. God is eternally involved He is eternally involved for all who live to Him. Listen, do not let the world convince you and me. Don't let those around us, the loud voices in front of us, all around us on the television screen, please do not let them convince you that God is unnecessary, unable, unconcerned, and uninvolved. Those things are lies from hell that have been peddled to humans since the garden. And we as believers in Jesus need to stand up and look ourselves in the mirror and say, no, God is real. God is involved. He is my Savior. He's in my life. And walk out of our homes ready to live for Christ in that way. I'll give you this verse. Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul, they exist. Your spirit exists. Your soul exists. And your body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are not a person who has a spirit. You are a spirit today. And for now you're contained in this body of flesh. And your spirit will live on forever. With our God who is eternally involved.